I wanna talk to you today in the last message for Girl Power, our series. How many of you have been here for at least one week of Girl Power? Let me see your hands, come on. Ladies, let me hear you say, hey. You've been here for a little bit of it, I know. Okay, so it's been fun. Uh, One thing that we did, we did a video the other day and it was about girls having power, that women have power and authority and you have a voice that God wants to use. Do you agree? Come on now, ladies, say amen. You have a voice and God wants to use it. Isn't that incredible? You know, all throughout history, there have been times when women have tried to be silenced uh, by men or by culture or whatever it might be. And yet I feel like that, that God is, is getting a new breed of women, come on now, that have a voice, that wanna use it, and they're gonna use it for the glory of God, for, the, for their family, for their kids to be raised up in Christ-like homes and business in different areas. And, and I just wanna empower you and say, hey, your voice is important and you do have power. So if you believe that you're a woman in this place and you got some power, come on, I need you to flex on me real quick. Come on, flex on me, let me see it. If you have some power, that's what I'm talking about. Some of y'all are like, no, Pastor Trevor, that's weird. I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not doing that. Okay, all right. Now I, got, now I got the amen. Okay, there it is. But today we're talking about the book of Ruth. So I would love for you to turn to the book of Ruth. It is in the Old Testament. It is very small, okay? It's only four chapters. So if you need help finding it, you can go to the concordance there at the beginning of your Bible and you can find it there. It's very small. You'll skip right over it if you're not careful. Uh, But last week we talked about Esther and then the week before we had Miss Leslie Owen from San Antonio come up and talk about you and how you have power as a mom, as a wife, uh, in business and ministry that you have power. And then we looked at Esther. Now we're looking at Ruth. And there's two books in the Bible, only two that are named after women, Esther and Ruth. And I figured we would do those two this year. Maybe next year we'll have another Girl Power Women in the Bible series and we'll talk about some other women that are in the Bible as well. But this is actually the only book in the Old Testament that's named after a non-Jewish person. Now, if you know anything about the Jewish culture and if you know anything about the Bible and how it was put together, This is a very, very important thing to note because women did not have the same authority as they do now. They did not have the same uh, rights and they were not looked at the same. They were not treated the same, especially in ancient times as they are today. It is very, very different. So the fact that Ruth was actually included in the canon of the Bible is very significant. And it must have been a very important story. There's something that we need to learn here about God and about culture and about life if they included it here, I would think. So uh, her name actually ends up, and you'll see at the end of this book as you read it, her name is included in the genealogy of Jesus himself, which is very interesting as well. A non-Jewish person and a woman at that. Not normal at all. So what are we gonna do today is we're gonna look at the three major players in the book of Ruth. There's three main people uh, in the story of Ruth and we're gonna take away one lesson that we can learn in our lives from each of those individuals. So I'd like to pray and ask God to bless our time together reading the word of God and then we'll get into this. Father, would you open up eyes and ears, hearts and minds today to hear the word that you have prepared. Lord, help it not to be my words, but to be your words. Holy Spirit, speak through me today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So 
I'm gonna kind of go over a brief overview of the book of Ruth. And then afterwards, we're gonna take a few passages and a few stories from it. uh, And it'll be up on the screen for you in just a little bit and we'll break it down. So at the beginning of the book of Ruth, you'll see it starts with a woman named Naomi. Somebody say, Naomi. Naomi marries a man and has two sons. And these two sons marry two foreign women. Now, Naomi and her husband and these sons, they are all Jews, all right? And they marry foreign women, which was generally not a great thing to do, but they kind of skip over that. So they marry these foreign women. And this is what happens. Right after that, all three of the men die immediately in chapter one. Her husband, her son, and her other son, all of them dead, gone, okay? So now who are you left with? You're left with Naomi and her two daughters-in-law that aren't even blood related. They're foreigners and her sons are dead and her husband is dead. Not a great way to start a story, okay? Not a great way for Naomi. She's not doing well. How many of you have seen Finding Nemo before? Have you ever seen Finding Nemo? You realize Finding Nemo has a very depressing start to the story. It's very similar. Everyone, you just don't realize. It's, it's really sad if you go back and watch it. I'm like, how do we let our children watch this? This is very sad, okay? But it's very similar. Everyone dies and now she has the girls left, okay? And so uh, Naomi, being the good mother-in-law that she is, had a great relationship with these daughters-in-law, obviously. And she says, I'm very sad, I'm upset. Of course, my, my husband and my sons are gone. And you guys have been so sweet. You ladies have been so sweet to stick with me, but you really need to go back to your home country. Because what are, you gonna, what are you gonna do? You're gonna stick with me? I'm too old, I can't get married, I can't have kids again. Like, are you just gonna stay with me and wait till I have more kids and then they get older and you marry them? Like, no, that's weird, you're not gonna do that. So just go home to your home country where you can find husbands and you can be around your family and all that stuff. And um, she says, it would be better for you. And so the first time, the, the girls, they cry and they say, no, we're gonna stay with you. But then the second time, she's really pushing them. She's like, girls, you need to go back home. And one of the girls is Orpah, and the other girl is Ruth, the daughters-in-law. And Orpah ends up deciding that she's gonna leave. She kisses her and leaves, and she goes back home to her land and starts the Orpah Winfrey Network. Um, But Ruth decides to stay. Ruth decides to stick around. She said, no, no, I'm gonna cling to you, is what the Bible says. I'm gonna hang on to you. I'm not gonna leave your side. And we'll read that verse in a little bit. It is really powerful when she says that. So what they do is now they go back to Bethlehem. It's just two ladies walking into Bethlehem, one foreigner and neither of them have husbands. This is a really weird situation. This is not a normal thing to happen. I just wanna make sure you know that. And they're going during the harvest season. And so Ruth being the younger one, she says, well, I I gotta get to work, okay? And you'll see that Ruth has this work ethic that's really cool. She gets to work to provide for the ladies. And so she goes out harvesting in some different fields, And she ends up meeting this man named Boaz. Somebody say Boaz. Boaz. So Boaz asks, he's like, hey, who is this foreign chick that's in my field kind of doing some stuff like gleaning the the, the barley and all that? And and they say, oh, that's that's Naomi's daughter-in-law. And he's like, oh, Naomi, she's, this is the girl that stuck with Naomi even after her whole family had passed away. This girl is awesome, okay? So he goes over and starts talking to her. Uh, they kind of hit it off really well. And he says, you know what? Hey, you can actually glean from any of my fields, but I need you to stick with my people, okay? Because if you go over to this field or that field, there's some like sketchy dudes over there. You don't want anything bad to happen to you. I know you're by yourself. So why don't you hang out with my workers so that you'll be safe? And she's like, 
Thank you so much. That's amazing. So uh, what happens when Ruth goes home? Because, you know, Naomi's just chilling at the house all the time. She's like an empty nester essentially at this point. So when Ruth goes home, all she does all day is just wait for the tea to be spilled when Ruth gets home. Like, oh, so what happened today? You know, they, they got to have the girl talk, okay? Uh, so they start having some girl talk. Ruth spills the tea. She says that she met this man named Boaz and he was really nice. It was great. He said, I could do whatever I want in the fields. And Naomi is stoked. She's immediately stoked about this. And she says, because he is a relative of my husband's, of my late husband. And he's actually our kinsman redeemer, kinsman redeemer. Now that's a term we'll talk about in a little bit. It's very, very important. We'll talk later about what a kinsman redeemer is. So what happens, I'll skip ahead, Ruth and Boaz eventually get married. And Ruth has a son named Obed. Obed has a son named Jesse. And Jesse has a son named David, who we know as King David of Israel. And so this foreign woman, who goes back and has this loyalty to this woman, Naomi, and they go back to Bethlehem together and she ends up marrying this kinsman redeemer, Boaz, now is in the lineage of King David, who is in the lineage of Jesus himself. Incredible story. It's a beautiful story. And I, how many of you like chick flicks? You like watching chick flicks? Come on, we're talking about girl power today. To be honest, I'm a sucker for a good chick flick, all right? My wife and I will watch one. She doesn't like any of the, of the like crazy stuff that, you know, all the serious stuff or whatever. She just wants to watch something funny where everybody's in love and they end up together at the end, right? And that is what the book of Ruth is. It really is an amazing love story. So if you don't like reading the Bible very much and it's confusing to you, I would encourage you, start with Ruth because it's a really well-written story. And it's just amazing. If you like stories like that, start with the book of Ruth. It's only four chapters. You can get through it fast. It's really cool. So uh, that is an amazing story. And this foreign woman ends up being in the lineage of Jesus. So there's three people that we just talked about, right? Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz. And I'm gonna take us back a little bit and we're gonna start talking about Naomi first. But, but right after Naomi's husband and sons die, this is where we're gonna pick up. She's trying to convince the girls to go back home. And we're gonna pick up in Ruth 1, 14 through 18. So you can turn in your Bibles, Ruth 1, 14 through 18. Hopefully you're already there. And it should be up on the screen for you as well. It says this, at this they wept aloud again. They didn't wanna go home. They didn't wanna leave her. But then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There I will be buried. And may the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. That is an amazing passage, isn't it? Look at that loyalty that you see there from Ruth to Naomi. Where you go, I will go. Everything that you do, I will do. I will listen to you. I'll do everything that you do. Whatever it is, your God will be my God. All of this stuff. 
And it's almost like a kid that's asking for ice cream, you know, like over and over and over. When the ice cream truck comes around here in Plum Creek all the time, we live right here in Plum Creek. And the ice cream truck would come around in Oakland and be like, daddy, 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 can I get some ice cream? Can I get some ice cream? And I'm like, no, son, not right now. And like, daddy, can I get some ice cream? Like I hear the, daddy, can I get some ice cream? I want some ice cream. And I'm like, no, son, like you go ask mommy or whatever. No, and she's busy in the other room. He comes back, daddy, can I have some ice cream? And I'm like, fine, okay. Like we can go get some ice cream. And that's what I feel like is happening right now. Naomi is saying, go. Go back home. And she's like, no, I don't want to. She's like, go back home. I'm not leaving you. Go back. Fine. I'll stop asking. Obviously, you are determined to come with me. And pastors will usually stop here. And we read this passage. And the first thing that we say is, wow, look at that loyalty from Ruth to Naomi. But what I want to do is actually take a moment and appreciate Naomi herself. I want to appreciate Naomi. Naomi actually has this one quality that I think that we can learn from and that we should all have as well. And Naomi exemplifies what good leadership looks like. You might think, leadership? What are you talking about leadership? She didn't do nothing. She, didn't, she wasn't leading anything necessarily, right? Here's the deal. Ruth had this amazing amount of loyalty toward Naomi. And it's not because of anything other than the fact that Naomi was somebody she felt was worth following. Amen? Naomi was somebody worth following. And the question I have for you and for me is, are you worth following? Are you somebody that others would follow behind? There's a quote, and I love this. It says, if you think you're a leader and you turn around and no one is following you, you're simply out for a walk. If there's no one following behind you, you're not a leader. You're not. And Naomi must have set an amazing example for her daughters-in-law, right? Had to have. She must have loved them deeply. You can see this even in the past. She says, go home. She's not thinking about herself. She's thinking about her daughters-in-law. She said, you guys need to go home. I'll figure it out. I'll be okay. I can do this on my own. She has that tenacity to say, you know what? God is, is dealing with me harshly for some reason. I don't understand why, but, but you guys need to go home. And she's thinking of others before herself. She has this amazing love for her daughters-in-law. And yet uh, Ruth ends up sticking with her, but she's setting an example for Ruth and for Orpah. And Ruth decides to stick around because she thinks that she is worth following. So the question is, are you worth following? Are your kids following the example that you set in your life? Are they following you closely? Are they listening to every word that hangs off your mouth? And most people said, uh-uh, right? Come on, I understand, it's difficult. It's hard being a parent, especially of adult kids, right? And you're trying to help them, but you gotta kind of let them do their own thing and make their own mistakes at this point. And I know it can be difficult. And yet, Ruth follows every single word that follows out of her mouth. Are people attracted to you? Do you have integrity, do you care for people? Do you love people? Do people listen when you speak? And do they actually take the advice that you give? This is what it looks like to be somebody that's worth following. And you can see it all throughout the rest of this book, as a matter of fact. Ruth stays by Naomi's side and provides for her because she felt like she was a woman worth following. But not only that, I don't know if you recognize this. I don't know if you do. This is a conversion story as well. This is a conversion. This is a mother-in-law converting her daughter-in-law to a different religion. You have to look at it like that. Ruth did not serve the God that we serve. She had her other gods. Remember it says, go back to your gods, go back to your hometown. And she said, no, 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 your God will be my God. Isn't that impressive? 
that she's such an example worth following that Ruth says, no, 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 I, I don't need my other gods anymore. I'm gonna follow you and your God because you've set such a good example of what it looks like. There's something different about you. You are worth following. I'll even follow your own God. Paul actually says that uh, in, in the New Testament as well. He says, just follow my example. Like follow me as I follow God, right? Follow me as I'm following God. You don't even have to have all the answers. But if you just look at me and watch how I live my life, then you'll be okay. Just follow along, stay close to me. Are you worth following? Ruth became a Jew because of the example Naomi set for her, but then also she goes to work for Boaz at Naomi's suggestion. And actually, ultimately, she ends up marrying Boaz because of Naomi's suggestion. How many of you uh, ladies would have married a man because your mama told you to? Come on now, I don't know, I don't know. It was straight up an arranged marriage. She said, you need to go, and you need to do, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but you need to go marry this man because he's gonna take care of us, he's a good man. And she said, sure, sounds good. And she just waltzed right off and went to marry him. It's incredible. But it's because Naomi had that leadership quality. She was worth following. She was worth listening to. And I'm gonna show you that right here, actually. Ruth 3, 3 through 6. It'll be up on the screen for you. One day, this is a little weird, okay? So just stick with me, all right? I'll explain it. One day, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, my daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now, Boaz with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight, he'll be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, excuse me, put on perfume, get dressed in your best clothes. She said, you better look good when you go see this dude, all right? Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you're there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he's lying. She's saying stalk him, essentially. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. Look what she says right here. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor, did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. Now, if you read this and you don't understand the context, you would think that Naomi is trying to get Ruth to go do the bad bad with Boaz, right? That's what it looks like. She's like, go and cover his feet and then he'll tell you what to do. Like, oh, no, 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 that's not what's happening at all. There is nothing sexual about this whatsoever. I know it seems like it, but it's not. Ruth trusted Naomi completely, but this was actually a practice in that time where she was actually proposing to Boaz. That's what that meant. When, when she would uncover the garment, essentially it was saying, hey, I, I would you, another translation says, will you cover me in your wings? Cover me in your wings. She's asking him, will you be our kinsman redeemer? Will you marry me and will you help our family? That's what she's asking. How many of you popped the question to your man? Come on now, did any of y'all do that? I just have to know. Did any, you did not, you did Casey? (laughs) She said it's a long story. That's amazing, for real? That's awesome, that's so cool. It's not a normal thing in our culture and it wasn't necessarily normal in their culture either. But yet, that's what Ruth is doing here with Boaz. She is popping the question, but Ruth trusted Naomi so completely and she was so worth following. She, had, she trusted her advice. Every word that came out of her mouth, she said, I will do whatever you say. She did exactly what she said, ends up marrying Boaz. And I think it's incredible when we look at Ruth because she has this loyalty to her that I don't know if, if we can say that we have with anybody in our lives. Maybe you have somebody that you're that loyal to, that you look up to that much that you would just do whatever it is that they say because you trust them that much. But not everybody has somebody like that. 
And not everybody would even be willing, even if that person was worthy of being followed in that way. I don't know if I would do that if I'm just being completely honest, because that's a lot. My life is on the line here and I'm just having to do whatever it is that you say. But Ruth has this loyalty, wherever you go, I will go. Your God will be my God. I will die where you die and may God punish me if I don't. That's impressive. There's actually a blessing in loyalty. Did you know that? There's a blessing in loyalty. And, and we can kind of look at a few different places in scripture, but I think one of the best places that we can look for a blessing of loyalty is with Elijah and Elisha. Elijah and Elisha is a great example of what it looks like to be loyal to somebody and then to receive the blessing because of it. Elijah and Elisha were both in the school of prophets. They were both prophets and, and Elisha was kind of Elijah's pupil, if you would say. And they'd been together for years. Elisha had seen so many miracles happen under uh, the tutelage of Elijah, okay? And so they had done amazing things, seen amazing things, and it came to the end of Elijah's time here on this earth. He knew he was actually gonna get taken up into heaven. It was gonna be this amazing thing, but they, they had foreseen it. It was gonna happen. And so they start going from one city to the next, and all the other prophets get around Elisha and say, hey, Elisha, don't you know that Elijah's about to be gone, right? Like, like we all know that, God's about to take him away. And he's like, I know, don't, tell, don't talk to me about that, okay? Like, I'm following him, all right? And they go to the next city. And Elijah says, Elisha, why don't you just turn back, man? Like, just go, just go home, like, go somewhere else. Like, I'm about to be gone. I'm about to be taken up into heaven. He said, I will never leave you. There's no way I'm leaving you. I've been with thick and thin with you. I'm not leaving you now. And all right, cool. So they go to the next city and all the other prophets get together and they say, hey, Elisha, don't you know? that he's about to be taken up into heaven. And he's like, I know, will y'all leave me alone? I already know that, okay? I am a prophet too. Like I see things, thank you, okay? And so he's going with them and then uh, he follows him even farther and he finally gets all the way to the Jordan River. And then he ends up asking, he's like, man, what do you want, Elisha? Like Elijah's asking him, what is it that you want from me? And he says, I want a double portion of the blessing that you have on your life. I want a double portion. Everything that you have, I want double of it. And Elijah says, man, that's a, pretty hard, that's a pretty hard thing to ask. But, you know, if you see me when I get taken up into heaven, then you'll know that, that you've achieved it. You'll know that you have the double portion blessing in your life. And sure enough, as Elijah gets taken up into heaven, Elisha sees him going up and he just praises God. And now he has this double, bless, double portion blessing. And what you end up seeing is that Elisha does exactly double the amount of miracles that Elijah did in his life. You can look through scripture and find it yourself exactly double the amount of miracles that Elijah did, Elisha was able to do. There is a blessing in sticking with somebody. There is a blessing in being loyal to somebody. There's a blessing in being loyal to your spouse. There's a blessing in being loyal to your kids. There is a blessing and a double portion that you can get, a huge blessing if you will just be loyal to somebody that's worth following. But that's the real question, right? Is who are you following? because you could be following the wrong person and get the double portion of the negative, right? I know you all know somebody that's followed somebody straight into sin. They'd follow the wrong person straight into alcoholism. They followed the wrong person straight into bondage. They followed the wrong person and their marriage failed because of it. And they followed the wrong culture, the wrong thing, whatever it is in their life. And there's this quote, and I wanna read to you, and I love this one. It says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. It's very simple. 
Show me the people that you surround yourself with and that is going to be your future and nine times out of 10, it is accurate. And I think that you would agree, the people in your life that you say, hey, who do they hang out with? They're probably either already like them or they're going to become like them. The Bible uh, puts it like this. It says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. That's Proverbs 13, 20. I heard a pastor say this one time and I've always held on to it. And he said this, he said, pay any cost to get around the people of God that you wanna be like. Pay any cost. If you have to move to a different state, do it. If there's somebody that you need to follow and you, you know that is a Christ-like person, a family member or a friend or a pastor or a leader or somebody in your life that you can be close with, pay any cost, Bug, hit them up all the time. Call them until you annoy the absolute heck out of them, okay? Call them, say, hey, I wanna hang out. Hey, I wanna hang out. Hey, I wanna hang out. And they're like, no, I ain't got time for you. I'm like, well, you're gonna have time for me because I wanna be like you. Pay any cost to get around people that are the people that you want to be like and then you will eventually become like them. This is biblical. He who walks with the wise becomes what? Wise. If you wanna be wise and you wanna have a great family and you wanna walk with God, you gotta get around other people that are walking with God. Who you choose to follow will simply determine your direction in life. There's no other way around it. So if you wanna change your life, change your friends. If you wanna change your life, change the people that you're following. Who are you listening to? Whose advice are you taking? Because if you're taking some fool's advice, you're gonna become a fool. But if you're taking Naomi's advice, then you're gonna end up getting land back. You're gonna end up getting a husband. Come on now, somebody, say amen. You know, get your man in the house of God, right? Come on. But here's the problem is sometimes we're loyal to the wrong things. If you follow culture, you're gonna end up looking a lot like culture. But if you follow godly men and women, you're gonna become a godly man or woman. And if I could do an aside for a moment, I would also say, be loyal to one church. Be loyal to one church. And I know like that's not a popular thing nowadays. It used to be, but it's not anymore. It's very interesting. Be loyal to one church. It doesn't mean you have to go there every Sunday and you can't visit other churches and hang out with other family members, whatever it might be. But it was through the intimacy that Ruth had with Naomi in that covenant relationship that she found God and that she found her husband. They got the land and everything that had been lost in Naomi's life was given back. Everything had been lost. Ruth found her purpose and her destiny by having a covenant relationship with the woman of God. Now, how, do you think that she would have done that if, uh, if she was just bouncing around from one person to the next? She was bouncing around getting advice from all these other people that may be from the wrong sources. Listen, Orpah went back to her land. We don't know what happened to her, but her name's not in the Bible except for that she left. That's all that we know about Orpah. But Ruth has a book of the Bible named after her because she was loyal to one woman. She was loyal to a woman of God. It was through the intimacy. And listen, I'm telling you, if you go from church to church and place to place and from speaker to speaker and all this stuff, you're never gonna develop trust with those people. You're never gonna develop intimacy with those people and you'll never get the blessing that loyalty brings. The Bible says this, it says, confess your sins to one another so that you may be what? Healed. Confess your sins to one another. If you wanna find a healing in your life, in any area of your life, you have to confess your sins to somebody that you trust. Are you gonna be confessing your sins to the random church that you visit once every four months? 
You're not gonna have anybody there that you trust enough, that you have intimacy enough to actually share that with them and to have them pour into you and to love you like Naomi had with Ruth. And so be loyal to one place. If that's here, that's fine. If that's somewhere else, that's cool too, but just be loyal to that place and go and serve and get involved. Get around those people that you can build each other up because it says what? Iron sharpens iron. One man sharpens another. We help one another when we're loyal to each other and loyal to the body of Christ. Can I get an amen today? Come on. Ruth's loyalty and love toward Naomi is what set her up to be an ancestor of King David and of Jesus, a non-Jew. Incredible, incredible. If I could have Sadie come on back up, we're gonna look at the last person in this story. His name is Boaz. Come on, Boaz. What a cool name. Boaz is an amazing man. And a lot of times, a lot of times uh, women will look at this story and they'll read this story and they'll say, this is a very popular thing to say in the church world, but they say, I'm just waiting for my Boaz. I'm just waiting for my man, my Boaz, my kinsman redeemer. He's gonna redeem me. He's gonna rescue me from the hands of all these other women, of all these other men, come on. They're awful. I've had some bad relationships. Waiting for my Boaz. And that's cool. I mean, Boaz is a great, great man. We see that through scripture, okay? He's a prime example of a good man, as a matter of fact. He's a hard worker. He helped out Ruth when she needed it, okay? He, he noticed her and he said, who is that? And oh, he's like, oh man, I've heard her story. Well, why don't you put her with my guys and let them go together? And I just wanna make sure she's safe and taken care of and that my relative Naomi is taken care of as well. So he's providing, he's, uh, part of the Jewish law was that he was actually supposed to provide for his relative in that moment. That's part of being a kinsman redeemer. And so we're gonna talk about that now. He was known as Naomi's and that family's kinsman redeemer. And what does that mean? It's a part of the Jewish law, the Mosaic law, that it was the privilege or responsibility for him to act on behalf of a family member that was in need. That's really all it was. You could call it a responsibility or you could call it a privilege, but I love that it says it's a privilege to care for my family. It's a privilege to care for my cousin. It's a privilege to care for my, my nephew or my niece or whoever is in need, but especially when someone dies and especially for women. Because in ancient times, I don't know if you know this, but if you did not have a husband, it was hard to survive. It was hard to live because the world was built up in a way that you needed a man to provide for you. And obviously it was, it's a lot different nowadays, of course, but you needed a man to survive. And the reason why Boaz told Ruth to go into his fields is because he was nervous about what would happen to her. You can infer what I'm talking about in the other fields. He was nervous about the other men that might take advantage or do whatever. So he took care of her and that was his privilege. It was his responsibility. In Genesis 38, we see a little bit about a kinsman redeemer. And it says, if a man dies, uh, it's actually the brother's responsibility to marry his brother's wife. That was a part of their law because now she doesn't have somebody, hey, I'll, I'll bring you into my home. I'll marry you as well. And Leviticus, it talks about land. Now, if you're poor and, and you had to sell off some land because you were too poor and you had to sell the land and just take the money, it's actually the kinsman redeemer's responsibility to go and buy back the land that was lost and keep it in the family. It was a part of the kinsman redeemer's responsibility. And actually we see both of those things in play here in this story. We see that the husband and the other two sons died and also there's this land that Naomi has that either she sold or it had, was about to be sold. And, and so this is what happens. The kinsman redeemer has three 
prerequisites. They have to be related to you. They have to be willing, right? So there's multiple kinsmen redeemers possibility. And then they have to be able. They have to be able to actually take care of you. And so what happens in this story you see at the very end is Boaz, when she does that weird uncover the feet thing, right? <laughs> she, she uncovers his feet and he basically says, hey, I will be your kinsman redeemer. I will marry you. I'll buy the land. But there's another guy who's actually a little bit closer of a relative. And so I need to make sure that he doesn't want to first. And so he goes and finds this guy and he's outside of the temple gates, the city gates. And he says, hey, will you come hang out with me? Why don't you sit down? He gathers some other guys as witnesses. Hey, y'all come over. We got to talk. So, hey, you know, Naomi and, and, and her daughter-in-law, Ruth, came back and you know what happened. Um, there's this land, you know, I'm in line to be a kinsman redeemer, but you're actually in line first. Would you be willing to be the kinsman redeemer and buy the land? And this guy, the closer relative says, yeah, absolutely, I'll do it. And he says, but here's the catch. You also have to marry the foreigner, Ruth. And for some reason, he's like, ah, I don't know if I wanna do that. And he said, because his inheritance would be messed with. We don't necessarily know why. Maybe he already had a family and kids, didn't wanna deal with it or something with him and his family. He said, you know what? I can't take on a wife right now. That's not something I wanna do. And so he said, man, it's all you, man, if you want to. And so Boaz ends up becoming the kinsman redeemer and says, I'll buy the land and I will marry Ruth. And in front of all these witnesses, I just wanna make sure everybody agrees to this, that this is what's happening. And he becomes this family's kinsman redeemer and everything that was lost, she regains back, Naomi. And it says, Naomi, at the end of the story, is so happy that the land was bought back, that now her daughter-in-law has a husband, a great man, a relative, it's amazing. And what I want us to think about for a second is how Boaz, as the kinsman redeemer, this is one of the clearest examples of Jesus that we get in the Old Testament. I don't know if you ever noticed this before, but Boaz actually is a type of Jesus. And then what, who does that make us? We are Ruth. We're Ruth in this story. If you wanna put it that way, this is a way that we can look to Jesus because Jesus is the ultimate kinsman redeemer for you and for me. It says in the Bible that he redeemed us, that he rescued us, that he saved us on the cross. Ephesians 1, 7, it says this, in him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. Somebody say redemption. Redemption through the blood of Jesus, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. What is a kinsman redeemer ultimately? It's somebody who's paying your debts, who's getting back what was lost. And Jesus came down to this earth and died on a cross for us and paid the debt of sin that we owed back to God. And he redeemed us, he saved us, he rescued us through the blood of Jesus. And it's not that we deserved it. Ruth didn't deserve anything. Naomi didn't do anything to deserve this. And yet Boaz comes and redeems them. And Jesus does the same thing for you and for me. When he died on the cross, he covered all of our sins and redeemed us by his blood. And another cool thing, if you look at it, is just like Ruth, you and I are also not Jews. Maybe you might be a Jew in this place, but you're not maybe practicing or, but you're not one of the, the chosen God's people, right? Especially in that time that would have been very important. And yet, Romans 3, 29, is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? And then it says, yes, of Gentiles also. What is this saying? Is that God is not just the God of the Jews, 
but he's the God of the Gentiles. I don't know if you know this, but as an American, you are a Gentile, okay? So like if you ever see Gentile, that is you, okay? We're all people of God now because Jesus came down to this earth and reconciled us back to the Father, redeemed us. Everything that was lost has been gained again through Jesus. And you know what? Psalm 107.2 says, and this is my favorite part. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You know that song? You ever heard that song before? If you've been in church for a while, you know that one, okay? It says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story, those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Let the redeemed say so. Let the redeemed tell our story that we are redeemed by Jesus, that he came down to this earth and died for you and for me as our kinsman redeemer, just the same way that Boaz bought back everything. Jesus paid for our sin. He paid for our debt on the cross. And man, that is something that we can tell about. That's something that we wanna share with other people in our world. Amen. Is anybody else with me today that we're excited about what Jesus has done for us in our lives? And so I wanna invite you to stand with me today and as we, as we pray, I simply just want to, have us take notice of what the point of this book is. Now we see Naomi's leadership and loyalty from Ruth and we see this love and, and, and Boaz really models what love truly looks like. And that's how we see Jesus. It says that for God so loved the world that he sent his only son to be our kinsman redeemer is basically what that passage says. That whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Come on, that's what Jesus did for you and for me. And that's the point of this book. The very end of chapter four of Ruth, you see Ruth and Boaz had a son who had a son who had a son who was King David, who had a son and a son and a son. And you go all the way down to Jesus himself. A non-Jew, somebody who should not have been included in the lineage of Jesus at all, somebody who would not normally be considered worthy of even being in the list. A woman, interesting, right? And yet God chooses her and uses her in a mighty and powerful way to be a part of the line of God. Let me tell you today, Jesus will redeem every single part of who you are. If you feel like you are lost, let me tell you, he is here to find you today. If you feel like your sin is too big, too great, he can't use you, I promise that he can use you in your life because I had some stuff in my life. I had sin and I had problems and I was running away from God at one point and yet God redeemed me and slapped me upside the head and brought me right back into the family. And it was amazing. I needed it. And some of you here today need to give your lives to Jesus and some of you today just need to be encouraged by this story, right? Like, let the redeemed say so. Like, let the redeemed tell their story. If you've been redeemed already and you know God in this place, don't be ashamed to share your story and to share about what Jesus has done for you as the kinsman redeemer, amen? Let's pray together. Bow your heads, if you will. Father God, I thank you for this story of Ruth. I thank you that we, there's so much to learn in here. It's just such a beautiful, well-written story. And, and it's amazing that this is something that really happened in history that we can look to and just say, wow, God, look how you used Ruth. Even though you were barely mentioned in this book, God, we see your hand working. We see your presence moving. We see the things going in the background. No one knew at the time when Boaz was being the kinsman redeemer that this was gonna lead to King David and to your son, Jesus. Nobody knew that that was gonna happen. And it'd be so easy for us to say, well, 
where is God in all of this when, when Naomi's husband died and her sons died and they had to go back to Bethlehem and all this stuff? It's so easy. I can imagine how they must have felt in that moment, Father, where they're just, what is happening right now? And yet the whole time you were working behind the scenes to do a miracle, to do an incredible thing. So God, thank you for this story of Ruth. And I pray right now, if there's anybody in this place today that they're wanting to be somebody worth following like Naomi. They wanna increase their leadership capacity. They want, hey, I wanna be somebody that my kids want to listen to. I wanna be somebody uh, that's respectable, that has integrity, that my family and, and my coworkers will listen to me and follow me. And when I turn around, I see people that are following behind me and they're going along with me. I'm leading people on a path to you, God. Maybe there's some people in here today that that's for them. And maybe there's some people that are saying, I wanna have the loyalty that Ruth had to Naomi. I wanna have loyalty to one church, to one body of Christ, to a, maybe to one person. There's somebody that they already have on their heart that's saying, you know what, I need to reach out to this person. I need to get advice from this person. This is somebody I trust. This is somebody I wanna be like. I wanna model their life. I wanna model their marriage and I'm gonna follow Jesus through them. Maybe they already have that person in mind. God, I pray that you give them the courage and the boldness to reach out to that person and to be loyal to their church, to their family, to their kids, wherever it is that you have called them in that moment. Or maybe there's somebody in here that's relating to Boaz and they say, I wanna learn how to love like Boaz, to care for people well. And there's some people that say, you know what? I've never thought of Jesus as this kinsman redeemer before, but I know that I need to give my life over to him today. I know that he loves me, he cares for me, and I'm believing that he died on the cross and, and he covers all of my sins. I wanna be made a new person. I wanna be made a new creation in this place today. God, I ask for any of those things, if that relates to somebody in this place today, God, that you would seal it, that you would give them the boldness to speak out and to call on your name today and they would be saved. Or they would just say, Jesus, I love you. I give my life to you, that they would be saved in this place. And for all those other things, God, I pray, that you would seal it right now in this place. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this community of people that love you and love each other. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Hey, uh, girl power, come on. Let me see y'all flex one more time on me. Let me see you flex. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you guys for joining us today. Like I said, this is our last Sunday in Negley. Don't show up next week, but be online. Follow us on Facebook if you do not already. That's where our service will be streamed at on Facebook. And then we'll be at Wallace Middle School on June 5th. Come on, who's excited to party with us? Let's go.